Hello everybody, Ben Rogers here, the Raptors Digest, here with a special episode today. We're accompanied by a legend in the NBA media space, J.E. Skeets, a, a Canadian who's really done it all in terms of NBA content, putting it out. He started off on the score with uh, the Basketball Jones, moved to the starters on NBA TV, and, and now is killing it with no dunks. He's here today to help us talk about the Toronto Raptors in a season preview, talk about some NFTs, his come up in the game. Skeets, welcome to the podcast. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me on. I like... Uh... I like the timing of this show because I feel a little rusty here with the NBA season. We just had the off season, of course. So you guys are like going to get my uh, basketball brain gears working here a little bit as we talk wraps and maybe a little season preview. So thanks for having me though, guys. For sure. Start, start with all the hard questions, Ben. Hit them with, hit them with the, uh, the, the old Raptors trivia and make sure you're still on the ball there, Skeets. Oh boy. Well, we're not going into Raptors trivia. We're talking about the season preview this year. And the, the big thing with the Toronto Raptors this season, obviously, has been, you know, the team had a tough, especially end of last year, end up getting the fourth pick, are a lot young, are, are strong young core after losing Kyle Lowry. And what are the expectations for this team now coming into this season with, you know, a younger roster, but still a lot of talent on the team? Are we pushing for the playoffs or is this another team that's a, a couple years away from getting back to where they were, you know, in the bubble and the season obviously prior? I would assume that Masai Ujiri and the Raptors' goal is to, yeah, 100% be vying for a playoff spot. Um, I do think it's a tough question to answer, though, because a part of me, like you said it, a much younger squad, um, but a very still talented team, especially with Van Vliet and if Siakam and when Siakam comes back and, of course, OG and all that. So it's like I, I, I keep, as I'm gearing up for the season, like fluctuating between – is this like maybe just a 30 win team that is trying to find its footing again, being a bit younger, or am I way off base? And they're actually like going to be flirting with 50 wins because they are a good team. We know they're going to be a defensive, I think juggernaut. Um, you know, we'll see whether they can score the ball with some consistency and how good is Scotty Barnes right out of the gate and all these questions. Can they stay healthy and OG out there and Siakam back? Like I said, so I'm like, I'm really, I don't know about you guys, but I'm like, I'm, I don't know which way this is going to go this season. I'm obviously hoping for uh, more wins being a Raptors fan, but I wouldn't be shocked, I guess, with that other outcome where suddenly at the trade deadline, you know, after maybe an unfortunate injury or two, Masai's like, well, let's trade Dragic or let's really lean into the future and stuff like that. Like I could see that being in play. So who knows? I'm just happy they're back in Toronto, as I'm sure you guys are too, back playing in Canada. Josh, I'll give you a minute to respond here in a sec, but fluctuating between a playoff team or a 30 win team is pretty insulting to the Toronto Raptors because they had 27 wins last season. They played in Tampa for the full year. The couple of games that they opened up to fans, the te- the the fans cheered for the other team. They cheer for Boston when they were there. They cheer for whomever except the Raptors. They were plagued with injuries. They had no, no center. Their starting center for a long stretch was Aaron Baines. And even still, they were within, you know, a couple games in that final 10 game stretch of the season where they still could have made the play in tournament. And we said it time and time again, right with legitimate center, no other roster changes, that team was going to get in at the eighth seed. So I think worst case scenario, we're looking at low 40s fringe playoff. So I I don't want to go too pessimistic for people watching this because, you know, you bring half the team as energy players, Siakam's an energy guy, you know, OG's an energy guy. Scotty Burns seems like he's an energy guy, right? The the core is still there. So 
I, I don't think that the worst case scenario is really going to be that bad for Raptors fans. It's not going to be another tanking season. Josh, I don't know if you have a different opinion there. No, I'm with you, Riker. Like, I think we are a lot better than a lot of people in the league are pinning us to be, but that's just typical Raptors narrative. And what I'm looking at in the East right now, I think teams like Chicago, they're getting a lot of hype, obviously. They probably will be a really good regular season team. When I really break down the rosters, I think Chicago is probably going to be like a seventh seed. And then when I look at the Raptors roster, I don't even know how far back I put Toronto. And that sounds ridiculous considering the free agency that Chicago just had. But really, at the end of the day, skill-wise in terms of scoring and then the defense that this team's going to bring, and considering how young we are and some of the strides we can make midseason, maybe a guy like Gary Trent really comes into his own. Who knows? Like, maybe we could be fighting with Chicago for playoff seeding at the end of this. Like, I don't think that's a scenario which is too far-fetched. Yeah, I just want to push back a little bit because I don't want to come off as like the guy like crapping on the Raptors right at the gate here. <laughs> Guys, I love Toronto. My point is, yes, do we just playing in Toronto? See, I even said we like I'm on the team. Do the Raptors playing in Toronto just is that good for five to ten wins over like the Tampa Bay Raptors? Yeah. Hey, look, maybe, maybe have they upgraded at the center position? Yes, because it couldn't get worse. But I think I don't want to go overboard also being like, oh, Precious Achua and, and Kem Birch, you know, a, an incredible one-two center. I mean, they're good. They're not elite. And then the other thing is, you said it, Riker, it's like energy, energy, energy. Awesome. Don't get me wrong. I want all of that, especially defensively. They don't just give you points for having energy, guys. You do have to score the ball. And I am a little, little bit still concerned about that. But I, And I guess the one thing I would finally add to that is, just the East being loaded. Like, I just, you just look at all the teams, and I think the Raptors are going to be good, but like, I think so many of these Eastern Conference teams are going to be good. Like, how many are going to be bad? Two? The Magic? You know, uh, the Magic Pistons, are always the Cavs. Be bad. So, Pistons three. And Cavs so, will also always yeah, be bad. the Cavs are sneaky three. this year. Well, I'll, okay, I'll say those three will be worse than the Toronto Raptors, but then there are a ton of teams you have to admit that are going to be like, in the ballpark of probably what the Raps will be, you know, the Hornets and the Pacers and, and of course the Celtics and the Bulls you already said. Mm -hmm. And like, it goes on and on and on. So I just think it's going to be a, not a cakewalk by any means to get into the playoffs. Like they're going to be fighting for this. And I, and I hope they obviously put up a fight and get in there. Yeah, no, without a doubt, the East is absolutely stacked this season. And, you know, one of the, the interesting things that you brought up, obviously, is the center position being fortified now with uh, Kem Birch and Precious Achua. On this channel, we've been spreading the Precious propaganda. I don't have it loaded up on this scene, but we're amped to have an actual squad around the skies with players that can play the five position. And that was the big thing last year, because the Toronto Raptors, even without you know, a true center at that position. You know, Aaron Baines, he's a he's serviceable, more more truly a backup guy, was put into an unfortunate role for the squad. But before all the health and safety protocols just completely decimated our team midway through last season, we were right at the fourth seed. We were right in the middle of the pack of that mm -hmm. Eastern Conference. So obviously losing Kyle Lowry, it's a huge blow, but that gives more, opens up more opportunities for Gary Trent. Malachi Flynn, the Crimson Flynn, killed it at the end of last season when he was given opportunities. And... This team, when they ran their, their proper lineups then to last year, because obviously once it was set in stone that this team wasn't really going to be able to make a deep playoff run, they they took the wheels off it and, and tanked for the bottom. But when we did have our core group of guys and Ken Birch was ready to go, right, this team looked really whole. The defense as it's brought up, been brought up 
right? It, it looks strong, fortified. And then for the question marks on offense, Gary Trent Jr. did show some promise at the end of last season. Hopefully OG, I've been talking about his handle for the past two years, but there's more videos coming out over the summer with his handle being improved. Hopefully a rejuvenated Siakam. I've been flamed for my take, but I bought low on this. I, I'm still hopeful the Raptors can be a potential home court team in the Eastern Conference this season. Wow. That's bold. I mean, that would be an incredible season if they're like uh, hosting, yeah, game one that -hmm. they would probably unfortunately lose anyway in the first round of the uh, playoffs because that's just what the Raptors do. Um, Again, I I love that, but it's tough to think the Raptors are going to be a top four team when I just compare them to the other teams in the Eastern Conference. That's, I guess, what I'm getting at. Like, I'm loving this, guys, because usually me on my show on No Dunks, getting called the Homer when it comes to the Raptors takes. And now it's like, this is like flipped on its head and it feels like you guys are going overboard and I absolutely love it. I'm here for it. Um, but yeah, I just think with the buck, like, like the bucks and the nets, I'm assuming you guys agree that they're yeah, going to probably be one of the, the one. And yeah, two. Those, those are, those are one, two. And then it gets, then it gets a little interesting. It's like, well, what does Lowry bring to the heat? I mean, okay, that's Mm -hmm. fascinating. We know what he does on the Toronto Raptors, of course, over those last couple of years. He's amazing. I love him. He's my favorite player. One of my favorite players of all time. So they're Mm -hmm. interesting. You know, the Hawks should continue to get better. I don't see why they would really fall off. The Knicks will probably fall back to earth a little bit. The Celtics probably have a better year. The Sixers are the huge question mark. Do they make the deal? Like you said, the Bulls could be good. I just, I just, when I look at the Eastern Conference landscape, I struggle putting the Raps into the top four but mm-hmm. look like i said at the stop at the top of this like five through ten i'm like yeah would you guys be shocked if it's like a five game difference between like six teams in the eastern conference at the end of it all probably not so every one of these is going to matter especially when you're playing some of these teams that you're you know jockeying for position mm-hmm. yeah it's there's a lot of question marks for sure in the east about where everything's going to settle And I think another thing that Raptors fans are wondering in particular, and I've had my own thoughts and conflicting feelings about on this roster, there's a lot of hope for a lot of different guys. And we got a great coach in Nick Nurse. So you never know who's going to find the right role and really exceed. Who do you think has the highest chance of becoming an all-star in the Eastern Conference this next upcoming season? Wow. That's a good question. On the wraps, you're obviously specifically asking. I mean, I guess... We're taking Siakam, of course, out of the mix because of injury. I mean, who knows exactly how long he's going to be out, but that's sort of the easy answer anyway. I, I It's really only down to two at that point. Um, it's either Van Vliet, who, you know, was flirting with it, I think, for a little bit um, mm-hmm. over the last couple of years. Never, like, you know, garnering all that much support because the Raptors had, of course, better players even on the roster, so it's always tough for a team like Toronto, especially with the, you know, the U S market to get like, you know, three guys or something like that. So it's Van Vliet or, you know, OG is the hope. I think we would all agree that he sort of can go to the next level. Look, we hope that he can sort of do the Siakam transition. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I definitely still a lot to, a lot to ask for him a a little bit too much to ask for him. I'd rather, uh, you know, lower my expectations and get surprised, but, it's between those two guys. And if I had to pick one, so I'm not sitting on the fence here with the wood up my ass, uh, it's uh, it's Van Vliet. I gotta go, I, I would go Van Vliet. I, I mean, cause he, he's very, he's possibly a guy that would be flirting with, of course, like, you know, 18 and, and nine now in a starting role. Maybe, could I even talk myself into a little bit higher than that? Probably scoring hundred percent. So 
Yeah, it'd be Van Vliet if the Raptors have a good record and, and Siakam's out, like I said, he'd have a chance. Yeah, and the role that he's going into with the team, like you'd expect that all those averages, just this overall floor time and, and role with the team, like you're saying, is just going to go up. And I think that he's ready for the challenge. I mean, everyone who's been seeing footage of Freddie right now, they're, they're getting goosebumps seeing it. They really think he's ready to go. And, and I am with that fully. But my dark horse in the all-star run for Toronto here, I'd say maybe Gary Trent. He's a guy that just looks <laughs> wow. super explosive. I know, I know it's a bold take, but he's the next guy really on that roster where I say, he could average close to 20. And if he has a really good season, he gets hot out of the gate, then all of a sudden we might have a situation where Gary Trent's like our go-to shot getter. Yeah, Skeets, I want to bring it up because you talked about the J- JV Hive back in the day on all your podcasts a lot, you know, surrounding the Toronto Raptors. A hive has been brewing in the depths of Raptors fandom surrounding Gary Trent Jr. I still think it's pretty bold. Just Josh just brought it up, but whether it's all-star or not, what are all your guys' sort of thoughts on Gary Trent Jr. coming in? Because Nick Nurse has seemed to be a little bit reserved in terms of praising Gary Trent until he becomes that sort of defensive special, you know, a guy that can play on the defensive end for this this squad. Obviously, he's a bucket getter, as Josh just brought up. He can snipe it from three, shoot those middies. But obviously, to get minutes on the Toronto Raptors, you need to be able to play defense. And there's been rumors or chats about Nick Nurse made a video on a couple days ago about Goran Dragic potentially starting over him now. So what's what's the path and what's the sort of ceiling for Gary Trent Jr. this season? I mean, I think the Raps are high on him, of course, with the mm-hmm. trade of, uh, yeah. you know, sending Norm to the Blazers, getting him back, giving him a contract, which I think was a, you know, a well-deserved contract. I don't think it was crazy. I don't know what your guys' thoughts is on that. I think it's a totally fair uh, sort of market for where he is right now, being still a young guy and the promise. And, you know, I, I think I would bet on Gary Trent Jr. not making the All-Star game this year, Josh, but yeah, it's you a know, hot take. You, you can convince me that, through the first couple of months, he's shooting 40% from three and, and, you know, it takes enough attempts. And yeah, like you said, the points are there. They'd have to be on a good team in the wraps. They'd have to have a good record for him to even get consideration. Um, I, I, it's a fascinating question about the starting role. Um, do you go with the vet Dragic? Do you also go with him if you are trying to trade him and build up, you know, sort of like a desire for another team to make a move around the deadline or before that, that comes into play. I don't think we should forget about that, but my gut says nurse will, will stick with Trent jr. But you're right, uh, Ben, like it's going to be like, Hey, if you want to be out here, you got to play defense and, and yeah, we got a bunch of great defensive guys, but you know, we can't have you exploited and where it all then breaks down um, because we got all these, you know, incredible mm-hmm. switchy defenders and stuff like that. And Van Vliet's a rock at the, at the point guard position for a defensive guy too, despite being smaller, I think. So um, I think he starts, but yeah, he's going to have to earn those minutes. Cause there are, there's like, you guys said, even um, you know, there's, there's Flynn's there too. And, and there, there are, there are minutes that there, there are guys that want these minutes, of course. And I don't think nurse is ever afraid. And this is what I love about him. Uh, within a game or within a week or within a month to be like, no, let's switch it up. You know, let's, let's mm-hmm. try something else if things aren't, you know, uh, going according to plan. So I, I'm high on Gary Trent Jr. I, I don't have him making the all-star team, uh, but uh, you know, if he can, as long as he can hit the three and at least sort of uh, dig down a little bit defensively, then that should be great. This Raptors team should be incredibly defensive defensively like they should be it'll be a disappointing year if they're not a top five defensive team to me like that's how they're gonna have to win a lot of these games i think Mm -hmm. no without a doubt and speaking 
I, I got to say, and speaking of defense, like the one prospect that excites me so much is Scotty Barnes. The guy's electric. He's huge. He actually shows a little bit of scoring flair every once in a while, but the efficiency, not quite there yet. But you see glimpses of him being a really solid two-way guy. On draft night, everyone was expecting to hear the name of Jalen Suggs. I think since we didn't and we heard Scotty Barnes, a lot of people have come down from being really upset and shocked to see that the Raptors have a plan here. He really does fit our mold. It's su- He's super good. And just from a personal standpoint, people love being around him. What was your flinch reaction when they announced Scotty Barnes at fourth overall? Uh, I mean, I'll admit that uh, I didn't have much of a reaction in the sense like I don't pretend to be a college expert. Um, you know, I don't follow college basketball all that much because, you know, our show is about the NBA and we're locked in and watching as many games as possible. I of course like know the top guys and sort of know like their pros or excuse me, their strengths and weaknesses. Um, but yeah, the chatter was they weren't taking him. And it suddenly was like, what this guy, like, can he score? Can he shoot? Like we know he's great defensively, but that is all gone. You're right, Josh. Like everybody loves this kid. Like everybody is all in on seeing him, you know, hopefully reach his potential. And he does seem to have that infectious sort of like, you know, leadership, I guess, like qualities to him. Like he has that that confidence. Yeah, exactly. And uh, that's, that's, you know, that's something that you can't teach a lot of guys. Obviously you sort of have it or you don't. And I'm not to say Suggs doesn't have that, you know, leadership quality either. I think he'll be really good for the magic. Um, but I'm all in on him. I love this kid. I love every social media post I see from him. Uh, you just sort of fall in love with him more and more. And yeah, if he has any, you know, development to, you know, his offensive game, like you said, the, the sparks are there. You see the, you see the promise, then he could be a hell of a player. Uh, mm-hmm. And in Masai, we trust, right? You know, they, mm-hmm. look, they took him for a reason and they see it in him. So hopefully we get a, get some glimpses at least in a rookie year and, you know, I'm sure he'll get some starting minutes there at, at times if a guy goes down with an injury or whatever, they, so they yeah, switch it up. So I, I'm pumped. Yeah. No, yeah, without a I'm doubt. I'm super excited about him. And no, for sure. And I saw Riker's eyes sort of a glimpse of when we were talking about the Trent and the, the Drogic sort of starting unit sort, side of things. And the set, Scotty Barnes is another guy that's going to have to get those minutes. Nick Nurse has brought yeah. up that the fact that Scotty Barnes is going to be an integral piece to this rotation. Obviously, during the summer league, he showed out at times. It's looking like he'll probably get him or Boucher, the, that starting spot with Siakam out, to start off the season. But he can really play any position out there on the court, maybe aside from center. But, uh, you know, naturally, we saw how it went with the small ball units last year. But he could be another guy that's sort of there fighting for that shooting guard position with Trent. Because Scotty Barnes, if there's one thing he can do, it's play defense. And that will get him out there on the court with Nick Nurse's sort of system there. We also have Svima Hailuk and all those sorts of things. Riker, did you want to sound off a little bit on uh, on the, the Gary Trent takes or the, the Scotty Barnes coming in and fulfilling a role? Uh, there's no there's no Gary Trent take. I think everybody's fine with him playing the starting lineup. The only time you would play Goran Dragic is if you're like late season trying to make a playoff push, but there's no sense in impeding Gary Trent Jr.'s development by having a guy who's not maybe not fully committed to Toronto is on a one-year contract. There's no intention to see him through the future. When you just traded midseason or last season, Norman Powell away, who was a 40% three-point shooter, who was your consistent starter at the time. So to trade, to do all of those steps and then not play Gary Trent Jr. as the starter wouldn't make any sense. Nobody here would disagree with that. Likewise with Scotty Burns. Nobody's upset about Jalen Suggs. 
One, because Scotty Barnes wasn't the 20th ranked player, wasn't the 30th ranked player, wasn't some random guy they chose out of the hat. He was the fifth ranked player. The very next team was going to pick right. him, right? And he's a better positional fit, right? We don't, we have, we've always had this huge mass of point guards on the Toronto Raptors team, undersized guards at that. So to pick a guy who's more of a defender, you can develop. We have one of the best development staffs in the NBA. You can develop some of the polish, the shooting, to have, you know, the raw natural athleticism and skill set. That's where the NBA is going anyway. So you're going to play him. You're going to develop him. Same thing with Chris Boucher. Maybe you start him. Maybe start, start Scotty Barnes. Doesn't really make a difference. What I've been raising my eyebrows of this entire podcast is, are the Raptors really not as competitive as what everybody's giving them credit for? Because I'm not, I'm, I'm looking past the bulls. I'm looking past the Hornets. I'm looking past the Pacers. I mean, teams that, you know, you have the Knicks, right. Where you have Kemba weak knees and Derek Rose, weaker knees and Julius Randall has no right hand, or you have the Pacers, which they did. They wanted to trade away Turner and they kept the exact same roster. They got worse in the off season. You have the bulls where their second best players, the Marta Rosen. And that's where the Raptors have the, you know, the, the title of not being able to get out of the first or second round because of that, man, no hating on DeMar. It's just, it really was when it was his team, they didn't have the competitiveness. Now that's the bulls. Hey, we were nice with DeMar. Right? I'm always the Hawks my God when you would challenge that. They're going to be a top Eastern team. I know you do, but I got to get in my 10 cent, my two cents that the Raptors aren't bad. They're not in a desperate place. It will be competitive, but I would still challenge anybody to say how the rest of the teams mm-hmm. in the bottom middle pack of the, playoff contention are really that much better really have that much more star power really have that much more potential on you know on paper we're gonna obviously see how the season plays out but i I need to stand up for the raptors skeets uh my counter my counter to all of that Riker, is well said and i believe a lot of what you're saying is kyle lowry is not on the raptors anymore so Mm -hmm. we're about to find out just how damn important a player like him is and a vet Mm -hmm. like him is and i and i I don't want to speak for all of you, but I have a feeling you guys as diehard Raptors fans understand the significance and like, forget the, take the box score and throw it out. Like we just, we, if you watch the games, you see the impact he has uh, in in leading a team and and what he can do defensively and all that, despite getting up there in age. Um, So Mm -hmm. I'm just, I love Van Vliet and he has shown that he can be a a well-deserved starting point guard in this league. But again, Kyle Lowry's not there. And so what does that actually mean to your overall win-loss record in a very long uh, regular season? I'm, I'm fascinated to see that part. And that is why it's like how much of like a, a sort of a, a quote-unquote reset is it with the Raps? Is it not at all? Yeah. For all the reasons you're saying, Riker? Very possible. Very possible. But uh, maybe this is me being the Lowry homer. I just think a guy like that is so instrumental to a regular season, like 82-game grind. Mm-hmm. And how he plays harder than basically almost anyone else in the league uh, when he's out there. You take that away, you're, you're losing something, right? Um, but whether or not these other guys can step up and we have the depth and playing in Toronto. And again, I won't reiterate all the reasons why they should they should be a good team. And hopefully they will be. Yeah. And my I, quick rebuttal, my quick rebuttal yeah. is Van Vliet had a finals MVP vote, right? That was deserved. <laughs> Shout out to Hubie Brown, baby. He's right. He's. Yeah, he's the defensive guy. He's the Steph Curry stopper, right? Pascal Siakam two seasons ago was legitimately compared amongst, you know, all NBA media and analysts as, is it him or him or Tatum? Who's better right now? Right? That was a legitimate, team. right? Yeah. It was a legitimate argument at the time. And now you add in that precious Achua, Ken Burch. So you've significantly improved the defense and the interior touch. 
around the paint. And then just this entire team's defensive identity, Scotty Barnes coming in, Gary Trent Jr. being 6'5", to Norm Powell 6'3", being younger, being more mobile, right? The defense should pick up for a little bit of, yeah, we're going to be missing out on those charges drawn, charge leader every season for the last three seasons by Kyle Lowry. But I don't know. We'll have to see how it plays out. But there's still points to hang your hat on for the Raptors. Oh, when you're talking about... uh... When you're talking about the point guard situation with the Raptors and everything that Lowry's done for us, it seems like he really has shaped the image of the point guard that we want to draft in the future. You can see that in Van Vliet and you can see that in Malachi Flynn. And back to what I was saying earlier about draft night, not taking Suggs, a lot of flinch reaction that wasn't so positive. It seems like everyone in the world just forgot that we have Malachi Flynn on the roster. And I don't want to build him up past his expectations, but he's someone that's virtually getting no chatter. Like where do we see Malachi Flynn developing? Is he a long-term Raptor? I'm just going to, I'll give a bit of a deeper take in a bit, but I certainly feel like he is. Skeets, what do you think? Well, I mean, I would, I I think they think that for sure. And like you said, it's this sort of like this passing of the torch from point guard to point guard to, you know, point guard is the, is the, is the idea. That's the plan. Uh, Mm -hmm. These sort of like these leaders out there, these bulldogs out there that sort of just, uh, they give a damn a lot more than a lot of guys. Um, Yeah. I think they think that he can, definitely fill the role of of what Van Vliet was to Lowry they think you're right that Flynn can sort of become that to uh to of course uh Van Vliet um as they move on here but what's the what's the deeper take on Flynn break it down for me Josh well I've just been seeing his videos of him tearing up the pro-am leagues out in Seattle just looking so polished like he just does everything that you want the point guard to do at such a high level like he's a facilitator he stretches the floor he plays defense really hard for his size and he just has that weird mental edge i remember when we drafted him everyone's like he reminds me of fred van vliet when he was that age and i know that's again we're, we're, we're building him up past what his expectations should be right now but i agree with what you kind of said there we are sort of passing the torch and maybe one day we have this weird farewell with fred that's really bitter and we need to move on but then malachi flynn's the guy i honestly don't rule out that situation that malachi could become you know this team's point guard and really be his team one day but that's a crazy expectation. I just have a lot of faith in the kid, and I love his work ethic. I want. I do have a question for you guys, and 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 I'll throw it at you first here, Riker. As Raptors fans, like, where are you guys on Siakam? Because, and and I know the injury, like, sort of like, uh, you know, muddles things up a little bit. He won't be there right from the jump. But like, are you in the camp that you're completely out on him as a as a one guy, you know, a lead guy on your team, or is he? You, you, t- you have all the confidence in the world still that he could be that and grow into that. Like, what do you, like, where are you Riker? Cause I mean, there's a million takes on this guy. I mean, there, uh, Riker's dying on us here. Yeah, I'm <laughs> dying. So I'm going to deflect yeah. it then. Okay. I'll go. Let's well, Ben. What do you think? Well, right. <laughs> Riker pray for Riker guys. He's, he's powering through this podcast here, but Riker and I sort of had this similar sort of opinion on Siakam, right? Two years ago, pre bubble. Right. He didn't touch a basketball for an entire three months during that break. He couldn't get access to a gym. It's well it's well noted. And during that time, Pascal Siakam was looking, as Riker brought up earlier on this pod, a legitimate second, you know, a second all NBA second team player was being compared to Jason Tatum. These level of guys before those playoffs hit, right? Came back visibly out of shape, just didn't mentally wasn't locked in during the bubble and it's tough there was we saw it with paul george we saw it with a lot of guys during the bubble season it was it was just an unfortunate time for different players and siakam just didn't have the opportunity to sort of get his game underneath his belt during that time off right comes into next season 
right? Still getting his legs under him, right? And slowly as the season went along, he was obviously memed for those missed game-winning shots and the spins and all the jokes and all that, right? We get all the hate. Like, it's it's fair if he's missing game, which was just unfortunate. But he was really coming into form before he was knocked out with health and safety protocols. Then again, had to rebuild his way back. And then, right, had a two-week stretch there last season where he was looking better than his second All-NBA second team self, right? Scoring, you know, 30, I think he had a couple games, uh, uh, yeah, that two-week stretch, I think it was up to upper 20s points per game rebounds. I don't have the stats just off the top of my mm-hmm. head. And then he had the shoulder thing, which people thought, oh, it's a, it's the same thing, uh, the plantar fasciitis that was going around OKC and all those sorts of things, right? We thought it may have been fake. Right. And then Siakam wasn't really playing at the level when he was on the court, but then we come to find out it was a legitimate shoulder injury and now he's going to miss a lot of this season I think it's just been an unfortunate set of events for Pascal Siakam is he now the next Kawhi Leonard a a proper or multi-year all-NBA guy that's might be a little bit of a stretch but I think he's still legitimately if you put a good core around him he can be the maybe not leader Fred Van Vliet has definitely stepped into that role you know taking over Kyle Lowry but Filling that sort of DeMar role that the Toronto Raptors have with maybe a little bit of elevated defense, I think that is something Siakam's fully capable of doing. He's looking in tremendous shape. I don't know if you guys have seen his Instagram posts, but he's looking yoked. He's looking ready to go. And if he comes back from that shoulder injury, I'm excited. I think he's going to shock a lot of people coming into next season. I was trying my best to uh, hold the cough, and Ben does it better than (laughs) I do. I had to cough off screen but um i think i muted my audio for the uh for the podcast at least so most of our fans turned against siakam which was really unfortunate but you know that's how it is with sort of small market fandom is as soon as things start going bad you really jump off the bandwagon so we did our best to say at least let him play out a regular season in toronto because he's an energy guy he won a max contract because he was an energy guy right he's a proven championship number two option he hasn't proven that he's a number one option yet but for people saying that he fell off he he shot better from the field he only had one less point per game he had more assists more rebounds and more steals i believe maybe not as many rebounds but his stat line you know not eye test his stat line was fine it didn't fall off now there was you know inability to close down the stretch right questionable iq and too many spin moves obviously everybody knows the memes but this guy still has a repertoire and he's still skilled because there's not a ton of people that are his height at that four or five spot that can guard his quickness and he has pretty serviceable handling so if he's willing to stop being so complacent shooting a bunch of pull-up threes that's not his move right learn a couple better post moves and then the team play better around him run the fast break more i think we'll see him come back to form if not he has another bad year in toronto i'm fine for everybody to turn on him i'm ready for us to move along but it was it was just too early to call it when we were playing in tampa because there were so many factors that you know obviously affected the entire team and we all know raptors aren't as bad as they performed last season mm-hmm. uh, yeah, definitely I think, not uh, i go I, ahead just to add to that a uh, siakam had What's the wording? I guess like the the <laughs> the best worst season of all time uh, because people were going crazy about how bad he was. But you said it, Riker. The guy still playing poorly, and I throw that in air quotes. And he wasn't playing to his, his capabilities. We know that, but 
21, seven and what five, the guys still putting up there. Uh, get just sort of like, uh, because I'm 46%. He's so now his three point shooting yeah. fell off, but no, his, his three points, his overall yeah, was good. Off. Yeah. 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 That's the sub 30% three point shooting is brutal. And you hope that sort of like comes back to that 35, 36%, like a little above average there. Right. Um, but yeah, I am with you guys. I still have high hope for him. I think he'll never be give him the rock, go get us two, you know, mm-hmm. like a Kawhi. That's, I just don't think that's him. And that's totally fine. Has to mm-hmm. come in the flow. He has to be surrounded of course, with, uh, other talented guys, especially some offensive minded guys. And, and then he'll get you 25. Like he'll just in the flow of a game, he's able to do that because he's uh pretty unique that way. But I'm okay. I'm happy to hear that you guys are at least not ready to, uh, to write him off. Like so many are. And mm-hmm. again, the injury sucks. Cause I really wish he was starting, you know, game one in Scotiabank there. Like that, that would just be awesome. Just like a, maybe a little boost of confidence too for him, but it's going to take a little bit longer, but Josh, sorry, I cut you off. No, no worries at all. And you know what, Skeets? I, I'm a little bit closer than they are to writing off Siakam, but at the same time, not being there at all. I definitely have no questions about his skill set. Like, it's really remarkable what he does at his size and how he's developed, how he's bought into the culture. I, I seriously think Messiah, or Messiah looks at him like a son. Like, he is very much in the fabric of this team. But you're right. He never will be a guy that goes and gets you the bucket when you need it. And I think to be the number one guy, which we're going to be constantly in search for until, you know, we find that whether it's through a trade free agency, I mean, very unlikely free agency, but we are going to be looking for that to get back into championship contention. And I think that what separates Siakam from being that dude is just his, he doesn't seem to get mad. He doesn't seem to take things personally and get fired up. He seems to get a little bit visibly concerned. Um, You know, he, he doesn't, he gets cautious with the ball when he's made a few mistakes, I think he's got to have a shorter memory and I think he's got to get genuinely pissed off this year. That's what it's going to take for him to prove that he he can be the number one guy. And if not, I might be leaning towards the trade him for assets that can be flipped into that number one guy or literally is because I need that number one guy to go get a bucket. Yeah. I mean, look, he's the number one guy in this, in, in terms of uh, your salary cap, for sure. You know, you're you're getting paid that max money. You know, you know, those are the guys you want to be able to say, Hey man, we need two right here. Can you go get it for us? And uh, can he deliver? So, okay. I'm excited to see him. I I hope he obviously gets back sooner rather than later. And and we sort of have a full squad here. Mm -hmm. Definitely same here. Probably for for hours on end, but I want one question to let you sound off before we maybe transition to a little bit of talk on the NFTs and your come up really, really quick. But you know, on No Dunks, you gotta you're talking about the entire league. You want to bring the heaviest points, right? The Siakams of the world, the OGs, the 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 big players on the Raptors. If you're talking about the team, I know you you kind of held back when the team was tanking last season. You know, didn't want to talk about the team too much last year, but. What are the deep cuts? What's your main deep cut for this team? Who are you most excited about that you can't necessarily sound off on night in, night out, you know, on, on your podcast, which is tremendous. Definitely check it out. No dunks on YouTube. I'm plugging it here for you on this. But, you know, the Raptors brought in, they have a really interesting sort of end of the bench right now, right? Delano Banton, Ishmael Wainwright, people are comparing to PJ Tucker, Yuta Watanabe, Shvi Mihailuk, right? Who Who's getting you excited at the sort of, end of the bench for this Toronto Raptors team. Oh my God. Watanabe for sure. I okay. love this guy, man. I love him. I love, uh, you know, again, you talk about energy guys and, and guys that uh, seem like they'd be really just fun to like hoop with. You know what I mean? They're like those guys that you're like, Oh, I want to run with that guy because like, he's going to never stop moving. He's going to move the ball. He's going to try his ass off at least uh, defensively. Yeah. 
it'd probably be Watanabe. I don't think we ever talked about him on our show. And, uh, you know, besides him getting dunked on uh, by, by Anthony Edwards and that's it. But, you know, I watch a lot of Raptors games. So, you know, anytime he's out there and he's, and he's trying to earn his spot, yeah, I'm cheering for him. So he won't be coming up. I'm sure a lot on our show this year, but yeah, that's my answer. What are you going to say, Riker? Uh, you're, you're bringing up old wounds because not only did he get dunked on, but he got benched for yeah. like 10 games after for getting yeah. dunked on. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Wasn't yeah. warranted. Yeah. He uh, was made sent for a to nice chop shot room. moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a, that's a little transition into there. Right. Yeah. NBA top you like shot. that? Yeah. I, I, I did like that on you're, purpose. You're the professional. You, you know what I'm saying? Bringing yeah. it in these quick <laughs> transitions there. But uh, obviously, uh, you and Trey do a really good job. It's just opening packs, having some fun segments and stuff. What's your What are your thoughts and what What's getting you excited about the NFT space, specifically surrounding the NBA? Oh, I mean, it was. It's been. I I, I was trying to think about it the other day. I haven't even been doing this for a year. Uh, Top Shot just just celebrated their own like one year anniversary, but I wasn't in on the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. I came in. I think around February, late February is when Trey told me about it. And I was like, what is this? Why would anyone ever do this? The classic, like, I could just go watch a YouTube clip. I don't need this. But the more I thought about it, and then when I realized that the NBA was attached to it, I was like, hold on, there is something more here. Like the NBA Mm -hmm. does not just attach their names to like anything here. Um, So of course I went and got a Lowry moment. That was my first moment. It was that it's a weird one where he like, sort of soccer throws in a three-pointer from like 35 feet against, I think it's against the Wizards, if I remember correctly. Yeah, Yeah, it's a funny moment. It's like, uh, I just like, it sort of makes you laugh and it's a weird Lowry moment. So anyway, that was my first one. And then, yeah, Trey and I were like, well, this is sort of fun. This is sort of cool. Like, why don't we make a, like a little spin-off show about this? The best part is ripping packs, just like it was when we were kids, like ripping actual Mm -hmm. physical packs of cards. Um, But you just do it digitally now. And so we do that and, you know, lo and behold, a couple months later, this thing has exploded and, and, and blew up in popularity and sort of feels like everybody's got a top shot account now, um, which is really cool. But yeah, to answer your question, like it was like, it was a real like gateway drug for me though. Like I got into top shot and then suddenly I'm like buying other NFTs and like minting things and like learning about all this. It's just been really fun to sort of learn about the blockchain and and find things that I like and find communities that I like too, like the all-star freaks and stuff like that. So that, that that's a huge part of it too, is a community aspect, I think. Um, but yeah, just, just enjoying it, I guess. I mean, it's, it's the end, like with top shot, it's, it's NBA highlights. Like I love the mm-hmm. NBA, like it's fun yeah. to me. Uh, and also I'm a weird, I don't know, maybe I'm not weird, but I'm one of these people that I like to collect things, but I hate having things. And I know that seems really contradictory, but I, I do not like having a lot of just like clutter or things in the way. Mm-hmm. Like when we collected cards or people that collect shoes or whatever you collect, right? It's usually a physical thing and it takes up space. Well, I don't like that. Um, mm-hmm. Best thing about Top Shot is they're on the blockchain. They're just digital. Yeah. And so it's like, uh, they're not getting in the way. I'm not tripping over them. So I sort of like that as, as weird as that might sound. But yeah, we're Trey and I are just having a blast with it. Just having fun with it. There does seem to be a weird stigma around spending this much money on things that are non-fungible, but take into account that you, you, you own this thing and it's verifiable. And really, if you own a card, how many people get to see it? I know you can post it online, all of that, but to have it on the blockchain to public access where you'll never have to worry about being damaged. The, uh, and the big thing with NFTs too, the creators getting money back. 
uh, yep. the, the 10% every time. It's just, it's so favored from the artist standpoint now too. And when you consider that the uh, Facebook, they might be implementing an NFT marketplace at some point, which will happen with Instagram too. All of a sudden, these things will be and almost like, you know, a digital flex, right? Like when people can show off NFT possessions on their social media accounts, all of a sudden it's like, buying Gucci for your Instagram, you know, that's not how everyone's going to look at it, but it'll be a mm -hmm. very big collector's draw. And I love what Top Shot's doing. Obviously they're moving into the NFL too, which is just going to reach in and grab all of America. I think it's bound to blow up and, and projects like you said, all-star freaks deserve a ton of respect for what they've done with community and making that the selling point of the entire project. Like the unique one of one projects, they seem to be sitting back to these big 10 K projects that are being done. But I still mm -hmm. think that the one of ones will have a very long lifetime in the space and be deemed as classics. Like, what's your opinion on that? Are are 10Ks more of a fad or are these one of ones, you know, do you think they're timeless like I do? I mean, I, I would agree with that um, just because, you know, I love the 10K. I get it. You're right. There's a big part. Of, there's a big part of community with those as well. Like, let's not get it twisted. You know, whether you're a cool cat holder or bored ape or whatever, like that's, that's your tribe. Like that is what people love that stuff. They love being a part of something. Um, so that will be there. And that makes sense with those 10K like PFPs. But yeah, I love the one of one stuff too. Um, I have a couple, you know, freaks cards and I just like, I like Steve Nash. So I want that card or, you know, I, I, I have, a, I have a Mark Cuban, which is like one day I want to sell it to Mark Cuban, you know, how fun would that be just for the story and for content alone? Um, I think there'll be room for both of them and people that don't get it. It's like at this point, you know, you can try and explain it to them and that's fine. And I think we should, because it's, of course you want to be welcoming and like, you got to sort of walk people through some of this stuff sometimes, but there were many people that when the internet came around, people were like, yeah, right, that'll last. When Twitter came around, people were like, yeah, that'll be around for two months. You know, it's like, that's not sort of the case. You know, it's just, mm -hmm. uh, this is a, it's changing of the times. And like I said off the top, it like, it was weird for me to wrap my head around why would I want that moment when I could just look at the moment. But Josh, you said it, like a lot of things, watches, uh, cars, art on your wall, sneakers, a lot of the times people buy that stuff because they want to like show it to people and they want them to see it. Cause that represents something, uh, be it wealth or status or a part of a, again, a, a group of people and stuff like that. But we do that in the real world. People are online more and more, of course, every day with jobs and just how we live our lives now. Why wouldn't you also want to do that there? And that's what people are going to do. And that's what people are doing. And that's where it's going. So it sort of just makes sense to me. And the other thing with Top Shot I'll add that's really neat to me is the utility factor that's coming. Like, it's a great way for the Toronto Raptors, let's say, to use them as an example. Hey, I have all the Raptors moments or you have all the Raptors mm -hmm. moments. Well, that means you're probably a fan. Like, mm -hmm. that is like proving your 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 fandom to that team, you know, like really no different than maybe them having stats of you buying all their t-shirts and all that stuff. They have that too. But like, this is like a, Hey, look at me. I love this squad. And now they can like reward fans with jerseys and tickets. And like, that's where this is going. Like for sure in the, in the, I think the sports collectible game, just like this unbelievable tying of the digital moment, the NFT with real life, objects or opportunities or games or stuff like that. And I think that is really, really cool. And uh, there's no doubt they've already done a couple at summer league and they did one with the finals flying Suns fans, I think to, to a Phoenix uh, finals game. So 
that's where this is going for sure. That tying of a, of a team and like their diehard fans, I think through the collectible, which is in this case, Top Shot. Yeah. yeah the utility part of it's so huge and uh and, and exposure wise too i i'll just give this last quick point on the nft top shot side of things the WNBA's, you know they they haven't always had the revenue in the league it's it's a big point of discussion how do we boost this how do we boost viewership well now you can buy WNBA moments on top shot so yep. that i think will do just absolute numbers for this league who i think has previously struggled to keep viewership and so the opportunity to make money and collect and really get into it, I think we'll get some feet in the door with the WNBA and just be great for the sport in general. Oh, even I'll just speak personally to that. Like, I don't watch a ton of WNBA games, but just them coming to Top Shot, I'm like mm-hmm. learning more of the players. I'm like getting more intrigued by like, I'm watching the Chicago Sky play today. You know, like, of course, like Candace Parker, I, I know of her and knew of her mm-hmm. and even worked at her with at Turner and she's amazing. But like, that's it works like top shot. I was amazed how many people were finding our show, no dunks because of NBA top shot, but they weren't NBA fans. And suddenly they're like, mm-hmm. Oh, this is like, these are cool moments. And like, Oh, this is my team now, or who should I cheer for? And it was like, you know, I, we're, we're so in this bubble of like everybody I know is an NBA fan because I either work with them or they're my friends or they watch the show and I interact with them. And it's like, everybody's an NBA fan, but you forget there's a lot of people that aren't. And so if it's like sort of a gateway for people to like get invested into the sport, that's like a win-win for everybody. Uh, you know, content creators like us and of course the NBA and, and all the teams. So that part's been really cool to me to see a bunch of like, I guess, NFT people, if you want to call them that, uh, that work maybe NBA fans, like get into it and like are talking about it. Like, that's awesome. I mean, that's, I want more NBA fans. I don't want less NBA fans. So that's a, a cool part of it too, like you said, Josh, with the WNBA and, and that's working for me even. And I'm sure it'll work for the for me in the NFL. Like I'm a casual NFL fan. I bet you mm-hmm. next this time next year, I bet I'll be back into it a little bit more like when I was younger. So we'll see. Yeah. You know, it's exciting stuff on all that front. I guess last question, any uh, no dunks NFTs coming? You, you minting it up with uh, the Photoshop <sighs> series or anything like that? Well, it's funny you say that. We have an idea in mind. Uh, we, we try and do things right. I'd like, to, uh, mm-hmm. I'd like to think we try and do things right when we do stuff uh, with no dunks. Um, so I don't want to half-ass this. Uh, mm-hmm. But the answer is yes. There, I have a really good idea, and I don't want to say any more. Uh, okay. I think it'd be really okay. fun for our fans, and then we want to add, like, utility to it as well if we do, like, mm-hmm. you know, this idea of, like, collecting some of them, stuff like that. So hopefully, yeah. But we got to team up with the right people to make this happen. Like, I don't know any of this, like, development sure. stuff. I just, I'm an ideas man, uh, and maybe a little bit with the art. But other than that, mm-hmm. how you go about doing it, we'll have to work with some people. But hopefully, mm-hmm. uh, hopefully we'll link up with the right people. Uh, no, we're in the same boat trying to cook some things up, learning more about the space. They're doing more things, but Skeets, it's been awesome having you on this video. Don't want to take you too, too long, but fun talking about the Raptors, NFT stuff, all those sorts of things. As I've been plugging Skeets, everyone's been talking about, check out No Dunks on YouTube. You guys, the, when when is you guys officially starting back up with the season previews and all that? Yeah, we've been doing a ton of off-season stuff. Some NBA stuff, a lot of silly stuff. Like we mm-hmm. watched all the Fast and Furious movies and have done a podcast about every one of those. That mm-hmm. last one actually drops uh, this coming week. So we're done with that. I'm tired <laughs> of watching Fast and Furious movies. But we officially start our season previews on October 11th. 
Uh, so we'll do a week of those. And then the season basically starts uh, the following week, right? On the, on the 19th, if I have that right. So yeah, the 11th is the, uh, the official, official start of like NBA season when it comes to no dunks. And we do a bunch of our burning questions and predictions and stuff like that. I'm going to be the guy on that podcast saying Gary Trent Jr. is going to make the all-star game and uh, and the Raptors are going to win 60 games. My guy Riker told me they're going to win. No, it's uh, that's when we'll start that up. So it'll be a lot of fun. It's always a blast. And uh, yeah, come check us out. No dunks on YouTube, obviously on Apple and Spotify and wherever the heck you listen to your podcast. Awesome. Yeah. As I said, check them out. The top, top, upper, upper echelon of NBA content. Check them out. You guys are the best for making this far. Check out No Dunk. Check out Raptors Digest, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, all that sort of stuff. Uh, any last words from any of you guys? It's usually just Riker and I, but any of you guys got any final words to send, sound off this podcast? I got nothing. You Thank have, you, Skeets. You guys have convinced me. Riker, you've convinced me. The Raptors are winning 53 w- games. 53? Yeah, well, okay. you guys convinced me in this last hour. Book it, yeah. <laughs> book it, book it. They're going to be above 500. I'm, I'm not asking for anything crazy that's going <laughs> to oh, lose. Who's the I'm saying top out. four seed. Hey, you I can't backpedal now. I'm, I'm not, I don't want you to, I don't want you to commit to something that's going to lose subscribers on your own channel. I'm just saying, give them a little bit of respect as, you know, a Toronto native, as a fan of the Raptors. Don't go giving credit to the Bulls, the Pacers, <laughs> the Hawks, the Knicks. Even the Celtics, they're falling off. The Raptors are right there in the mix. But it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for popping onto the podcast. I'm just going to sign it off the normal way that I do. Cheers.